You're listening to the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, and we never want you to miss an episode. So make sure you hit follow and stay up to date with all things Leading Second. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle, from the second chair for the second chair. This is Leading Second. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brian. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. We've got a really great episode in store. In fact, I love getting to hear from an entire team that's so close that they've been to each other's doctor's appointments. (laughs) I, I know. Okay, I know it sounds strange, but I'm telling you, this team is awesome. Before we jump into the interview, we had a question come in from a listener. And in case you didn't know, we have people reach out to us through Instagram and Facebook, and Brandon took some time to talk with them. So let's take a moment for this question. Well, I'm here today with Kendall Green from College Station, Texas. Say what's up to everybody, Kendall. Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm so glad you're on here. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. You have a great question for us. But first of all, uh, tell everybody who you are. Okay, I am Kendall Green, married to Nathan Green. We were second chair leaders, and now um, we are lead pastors. Ooh, come on. We let you sneak onto the podcast today. (laughs) A lead pastor. I love it. I love it. Well, first of all, y'all are... Uh, friends and like family to us. We've also done a lot of ministry work together over the years. I spent a lot of time with you guys in your second chair seat. And now you find you guys, God has blessed you with an opportunity to lead in uh, your church. And I'm really excited about that. But you had a great question for us today. And I wanted to dive into this. I think this is going to land for some people. Um, So what was your question? So what would you say to a staff spouse who doesn't like their spouse being in ministry? Oof. That's real. That's real. Tell us why you had this question. So honestly, I asked it because this was me a few years ago, and I did not enjoy being in ministry nor having my spouse in ministry. Um, I was, I felt like I was constantly fighting for Mm. attention. And I was like, am I just, is am I important? Like the church is important to you or am I second? I feel like you you give everything to the church and you leave what's left for me and and our family and our kids. We were just completely out of balance. Wow. First of all, thank you for being honest and giving all of us permission to be honest because uh, fast forwarding, just so everybody kind of knows the end of the story. uh, First of all, the two of you, I feel like are absolutely thriving right now in this season. And did this get turned around for you in the end? It totally did because of you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's not exactly where I was going with this. (laughs) But it's true because you helped us, you helped us get back in balance. I mean, you, we set up, you know, boundaries and um, family vacations a year out and things to look forward to and, you know, just helped Nate balance. Like when he comes home from work, put his phone away and just simple things like that to help us get back on track. Yeah. And I think the, the end of the story is 
so important because there's hope for people who might find themselves in the position of your question. Like there is, there is hope for you. And I did have a couple thoughts. I know things that we have worked through over the course of time. Um, my general thought with this question, Kendall, is this. I don't think it's ministry that staff spouses have a problem with. If, if it is ministry, then we need to actually be having a different conversation and we need to have a deeper conversation. Um, I actually don't think it's ministry that people have the problem with. I think it's how the family is carrying ministry that people have the problem with. And if that resonates and if that's the truth, then there's hope for a couple and for a family where there might be some resentment going on or there might be some dislike or struggle going on in this arena because simple things like the right rhythms, uh, the right use of your calendar, uh, the right boundaries can really go a long way. I think the, the tough part is ministry is um, an all in thing in Matthew 10. I mean, Jesus, when he gave his disciples authority, he basically Ask for their life in return. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. He actually even references, you know, in there, whoever's not willing to leave their mother and father and brother and sister, who, you know, for me is not worthy of me. So it creates an interesting, not problem, but it, it creates an interesting tension. That'd be a good word. A tension for us in ministry because Jesus wants to be first and he wants us to be all in. But none of that could be you could not add that up biblically that Jesus is anti-family. So even though Jesus wants us to be all in for ministry, it doesn't mean that he's asking our families to suffer in ministry. He just wants to be first. He just wants to be enthroned. He also leads us to a place where our families are thriving, even while we're all in for ministry. I don't think it's an either or. In other words, I think this is truly a, a both and. And so I think I would just ask someone who's listening and maybe this question landed for you today. I think the question I'd ask you is, how is your family carrying the ministry together? I, I read a, a post on social media the other day and someone said this. This really just jumped off the screen to me. They said this, don't use up all your creativity at work. And I thought that was really interesting. It really challenged me. Like, am I giving everything to ministry planning during the day and not saving creativity and presence for when I'm home with my family in the evenings? You know, when my daughter has a problem, am I so dried up, you know, where I'm like, go talk to your mom about that? Or do my family feel like I still have something in the tank, you know, for them when I get home? So it's a very complex issue and we can't, Certainly, you know, solve it all in a couple minutes here um, on the podcast. But I guess I would say is looking at right rhythms, the right use of your calendar, right boundaries, just combined with a new mindset that when Jesus is first, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Like Jesus first orders the rest. And it is not an either or it is a both and your family can thrive while you're all in for ministry but it really comes down to your mindset and it comes down to employing just some right wisdom uh, for how we're carrying the weight of ministry. So good. Thank you for your question, Kendall. I loved it. We're going to be talking more about this in the podcast coming up. Thank you. 
have a question you'd like to ask Brandon, reach out to us on Instagram at leading second. For today's interview, we're excited to welcome some of the key team members from Seven Hills Church in the Cincinnati area. Seven Hills is a thriving multi-site church under the leadership of Pastor Marcus Meekum. Since we're talking with a great team from a healthy church today, Brandon thought it would be a perfect time to explore some of the DNA that makes up a great team. There's a lot of ground to cover, so without further ado, let's listen in on today's conversation. Well, hey, I am joined here today with uh, some of the incredible leadership team uh, from Seven Hills Church in the Cincinnati area. Why don't you guys say hello to everybody? What's up? How's it going? So good to spend some time with you guys today and uh, have you on Lady Second. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Let's start with some introductions because we have uh, several of the key team with us today. I'm going to go to Evan first. Why don't you say what's up to everybody, Evan? What's up, guys? Honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, hopefully we can add some value. Uh, so I'm Evan. My wife, uh, her name is Rachel. We've been on staff seven years. Just bottom line, I would just be the business pastor over finance, uh, you know, legal, um, just really helping resource the vision to move it forward. Um, it's been great. We love it. Our, my wife, Rachel, does a lot of guest relations, new families, and uh, wouldn't rather be anywhere else. So thrilled to be here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So glad to have you. Uh, let's go to uh, Jake and Aaron. I'm Jake. <laughs> first. I don't know. I do uh, do a few things around here and uh, Aaron's on staff. She's my incredible wife who really runs the show. She's actually in charge <laughs> of uh, everything I do. So what do you, what do, you do at church? Um, <laughs> interviewing you now, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Facility, small groups. Uh, I've done next gen. Uh, I clean the toilets on Saturday mornings with a team. Uh, so whatever needs to be done. Yeah. Jake and I have been married for 10 years. We've been on staff for just about that long. And, um, I'm part of our central team specifically with groups and with volunteer teams. So that means that my day to day is equipping people, um, at all of our locations to experience the same thing. Awesome. Now, now how many locations do you have? We currently have two, uh, we're getting ready to open our third this year. Uh, so we've found it, we've, uh, uh, kind of solidified some things. So we're just, you know, in that process of launching and and opening the third one. Come on, somebody opening campuses during a pandemic. That's how it's done right there. Plus online and and TV program too. So shout out to Kyle. He, He leads all that. So we're coming to Kyle next. Kyle, tell us about, sounds like your world's getting a little busier. Yeah. How's it going, Brandon? Thank you so much, man, for having us. Uh, love your hat. I think that's a dope hat. Pastor was here and wore a hat very similar. And I remember saying, that's an amazing hat. So you guys might stop at the same hat place. Well, well, funny if he wore this actual hat, it's because I got it for him for Christmas. And it's because we were, it's because we were, (laughs) it's because we were sitting in a restaurant and we were talking about this brand needing a lion hat and I pulled it up online and, and he's like, yes, I love it. So I just Amazoned it right there. And then it showed up and my wife's like, or I, I gave my wife a heads up. I was like, Hey, in the next Amazon order, you know, uh, there's a hat coming for pastor Kevin. It's really cool. She's like, well, you should have got yourself one. I was like, I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, when you see a good idea, you just got to go with it. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's a great hat. Uh, my Thanks. name is Kyle, my, uh, my wife, Jess, we've been here at the church now for, um, we came in 2011, so 11 years now. Um, 
and uh, love Pastor Marcus, love the vision of this house. Um, if if I do all the, what we call front door, uh, Jake would do a lot of the back door. And then Evan basically makes sure that we don't get in trouble um, and oversee yeah. all the finances, all that. So it's a, it really is a perfect blend. Um, so front door would be any marketing thing, our online, our TV, any kind of digital platform, all of our outreach, anything that you would experience Seven Hills for the first time probably would be somewhere in my world. Anything backdoor would be uh, would be going to Jake's Great. world. Great. I mean, I work pretty closely handing things off back and forth. So um, it, it really is a beautiful thing. And Evan gives everybody money. So therefore, Evan is everyone's favorite team member. Yeah. Call me, that, that's Uncle what Evan, I heard. Man. Just call me Uncle Ev, you know. <laughs> All of our roles have evolved from just being department heads to basically the leadership team. So it's been great. We love it. So on the thought of a great team, that's actually the conversation I thought we'd have today. I so respect your pastor. I so respect um, how he is a builder. Um, So much character and integrity and strategy. And um, the reputation of your house precedes you. But I do know that behind every great house is a great team. And so today I just wanted to kind of talk about the DNA of a great team and what makes a great team a great team. And I love that you all said at the beginning, maybe you can expand on this kind of like none of you are really from the ministry background. You're, you know, didn't really grow up um, maybe even desiring to be in ministry. And I think you kind of said, you know, if we weren't on staff here, we'd probably still go to church here. I mean, maybe just talk about that for a minute, how that being a part of this house feels like a call to you. Yeah, I just, I'll just kind of kick it off, and I really want you to hear from these guys, but I think what God's doing here is so special because we're a group of people that God really single-handedly pulled together. Again, none of us are PKs. None of us have real degrees in ministry, uh, but we our lives were changed here. Um, you know, God's moving here, and we were all really asked to be on the team here, um, and it's really just a, a special thing to see all of us work together and really move the ball down the field. And again, if, if we weren't on staff here, we wouldn't go look for a job anywhere else. It would be go back to the marketplace. Uh, so we have um, just that deep rooted love for each other. We would all take bullets for each other. And I think you have to have that foundation of trust and uh, healthy conflict that we can get in a war room and we know we're all going to be on That's a united right. front when we get out of that room. Uh, we, right. we would drop all of our, um, personal goals for the goal of the team. And then Pastor Marcus' vision is so followable and it's magnetic. So um, we just love being a part of this team. It's fantastic. It's special um, and really got appointed. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think we have, I mean, we're biased. We have the greatest pastor on the planet uh, and, and truly honor, like, honestly, I would not do anything in ministry if it were not for Pastor Marcus. Um, really God called me into his ministry to do, whatever he needs, uh, literally. So, um, so I'm just honored to be here and, and, um, it's fun. It's fun because, uh, our senior pastor does a really great job, um, just kind of giving us stuff and trusting us. And so, uh, we're able to, to build and grow and even use some of the things that we've learned outside of the ministry, uh, whether it's, you know, in a college or while we were in the marketplace, uh, and kind of bring that into this culture. Um, so yeah. Well said, guys. Well said. I I truly believe that that's the essence and the starting point of what makes a great team. I think sometimes we try to hire in talent and I think sometimes we try to ship it in and 
not going to say there's never a time for it, but um, I've seen many that have crashed and burned from that approach versus versus growing what you need, you know, raising it in the house. I, that's me, by the way. I'm not a PK. Um, I just kind of grew up as a church nerd. I loved the church so much. I just didn't ever see myself doing anything else, you know, but it was because of how the house changed my life. So I, I'm just going to consider myself a part of your team here right now for this conversation. Um, so my pastor, as has been said, was with you recently. He came home raving about your house, raving about the team. So let's talk about what makes the team work. And I want to start by asking you this question. What is most special to you about the culture of the team that you're building? I think Pastor Marcus does a really good job of reminding us that people, whether it's people on our team or people that are just attending our church are so much more than who they are when they show up in the building. And, Mm. um, and I think that's kind of what sets our team apart is we know each other's families. We celebrate each other's families. Um, our kids love each other. They have a blast together. And so I think pastor is just, he just constantly is reminding us that that relational part outside of work for Mm. lack of better term has been super important and it's fun. And that's what makes it fun because it's, it's more of like, it's not just a job. It's not just a, it's even more than just a calling. It's like a, a way of celebrating life beyond just our to-do list each day. You know what I mean? I, I agree. I think Aaron just hit the nail on the head. It, it, I've been, Jake has been to doctor's appointments with me. <laughs> just, why? <laughs> because we do things as a family. You know what I mean? Sure. And that really starts from pastor Marcus. It's just kind of part of our culture. So we go to each other's doctor's appointments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The doctor was just as shocked as you might be. So. <laughs> I was actually standing over Kyle's gash leg as it was getting stitched up. Yes. Um, watching the doctor that. do it. Yeah. Yep. First, first of all, that's a real friend. Second of all, I've never, ever had that answer on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, just beautiful. Culturally, if there's like a phrase, I, I, now I, I find myself using it a lot, but I really, really got it from pastor Marcus is that we do things as a family. Mm. I feel like a cultural statement. We're always doing things as a family. And I think that makes our culture so kind of intoxicating. You know what I mean? Because it's, it, 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 you don't have these people off in the corners you know, just going rogue and on an island by themselves. It it really is, like Aaron said, it's a family, you know, outside of where we vacation together, we do life together. It's not just, you know, if, if I didn't work here, Evan, Jake, if Aaron, if we didn't work, we still would hang out on, on the weekend. We would still yeah. come to church together. We're highly competitive, but not, um, we would, again, we would drop our self-interest for the church or Pastor Marcus at the drop of the hat. Nobody has selfish ambitions to undercut or anything like that. And that's really special. You don't get that everywhere. It's great. Our, our team's favorite things, Brandon, is watching these three guys compete with each other, actually. They <laughs> no, are highly competitive. It's, it's probably Pat, one of Pastor's favorite things is watching them just go at each other sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> We'll tell you about a brutal flag football game we had a few years ago where we had to all get resaved after that game. <laughs> was, we have a lot of fun though. Amazing. I'm, I'm really uh, interested in the idea too, that great 
teams don't fall out of the sky. Great teams are built. And I think this is this is one of the myths in ministry is that we look at churches that are um, 10, 20 plus years old and you see success, you know, and you see what God's done and you see a great team and you just sort of assume that like you can order one for yourself on Amazon, you know, and, and it'll show up in two days when in reality, great teams are built and they're built over the long haul. Uh, they're built consistently. So you've alluded to some of it already, but could you take us a little bit deeper? Like what does building a great team look like at Seven Hills? Yeah, I think actually Kyle could really speak into this uh, uh, with, uh, he was the one that kind of researched and started the internship program that's now in the hands of um, two amazing people, uh, Luke and Savannah, um, and they've taken it to another level. But uh, Kyle, if you could tell how many, it's like a large percentage of our staff came through an internship program. So over 60% of our current staff came from that internship program. Mm. I think that's a major part to um, our culture. And like you said, building a, a team doesn't happen by accident. So we're, and that again, stems from Pastor Marcus, very intentional, very strategic with, you know, um, everything. And of course, building our team being, you know, at, at the top of that list. Um, so I think a lot of our staff being kind of homegrown, like I'll put it this way, there's one staff member right now that wasn't, that really didn't grow up in Seven Hills or their life changed in Seven Hills, like truly homegrown, there's only one. And that one guy went to college with Pastor Marcus and has like a, a very long history with him. So mm. even then there's history there with, with PM. Um, but everybody else, their life has been changed at seven Hills. And again, that, that, that kind of thing, it's, it's absolutely part of, of, of who we are, our culture. Flow is fast. We don't, we're not interested in, in hirelings. Again, people whose live lives was changed here. That's huge, right? Uh, we're, we're more concerned about chemistry and character over competency. You could teach that, you can train and do all that, but we'd rather have people with, with the chemistry that we like being around, highly relational, spend a lot of time together than someone who's maybe highly skilled and doesn't have the other two. We would take that all day. So, so you're just, to me, you're just alluding to something I'd like to explore for a minute. And this is kind of my observation coming from an outsider you know, or from the cheap seats, you know, looking into what God is doing, the miracle God is doing at Seven Hills. And something I'm really interested in about your pastor and about your team is it doesn't seem to me you've set out to build the flashiest church. You know, you haven't set out to just build a big church or just, you know, a well-known church. I feel that I, I sense when I'm, when I'm around any of you ever, I sense the integrity in what you're building. Uh, you just said slow is fast. In other words, you know, I, I sense that about your pastor. And yet the funny thing is, is that approach, there's a quality of ministry that comes through your house. There's a quality of ministry. Your pastor is an absolutely brilliant teacher, communicator, I think sometimes, I guess, in the ministry world, we get really into this idea of being flashy, being being the most successful, being the most well-known. I just don't get that from you guys. And yet, the funny thing is, 
you're building something that I think should be talked about everywhere. Uh, so m- maybe just talk a little bit more about that. Cause I find that very intriguing about your house and honestly, so refreshing about your house. Hmm. We, uh, our senior pa- pastor Mark says it best. He said, we didn't launch or start seven Hills to grow a big church. We started seven Hills because we wanted to build a church that we want to go to and, right. uh, enjoy the people in. And, um, you know, God is just blessing us and, and we're, we're, I mean, we're humbled by it, you know, honestly, truly are. Um, cause yeah, we're not here to, to grow a big church. We just want to build a church that, uh, will reach the lost that we can, um, help the community. Um, another phrase that pastor Marcus says is, uh, if we were to shut our doors today, how did the community knew, know that we were here this week? And it's a big mm. thing on his, in his agenda that he wants to make sure that every week the community knows that seven Hills exists, um, mm. because that's part of, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I would just say too, real quick, it's not personality driven. Uh, pastor doesn't want attention, fame, any of that stuff. He genuinely, and that's what's so magnetic about him. He genuinely wants to make a difference. And so do we. So he has built the team around the vision of making a difference, not how many followers or what's our attendance or any of that stuff that comes with it. We made a decision a long time ago. We'd rather be the Ford F-150 driving 70 on the interstate for the next 50 years than the Ferrari going 150 that crashes and burns and, you know, is uh, not able to withstand the longevity. So we'll just be driving by waving to people going 70 miles an hour for the next 50 years. Again, we take risk and we go, you know, but it's just a alliteration. We don't want to be the Ferrari. We just want to be a great church that reaches people. Such a good analogy. And I think we're going to have a conversation on this later on the podcast about what to do when, when leaders crash. Um, I actually think I want to talk about that because tragically we're seeing that right now. Um, and I hate it. I, I hate, I hate, I hate it for those families I hate it for God's church. I hate it for the people in churches that are impacted. It's a lose, 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 you know, all the way around. And yet our, for, there's something about our generation in the church that just seems addicted to the success and addicted to the limelight. And if man, you know what, if my ministry does one thing, I'd love to break that bondage off some leader's life. Like you do not have to be the Ferrari going 150. Like that is, that is not... That is not what God's definition of success is. And by now this season on the podcast, everyone who's been listening has been hearing me talk about the book of Revelation. And, and I've I mentioned this several times and what Jesus finds faithful in the churches, you know, his letters to the seven churches and none of them, by the way, have to do with being flashy, big or successful. Uh, so it's, it's just something to consider. I think, um, you know, what we, what Jesus considers faithful and what we consider faithful, I think sometimes can be a little, a little different, but let's, let's save that rant for another day. Shall we? Um, let's, I want to talk about your pastor for a minute. We've been leading in a pandemic. We got to hear from him and, and Evan, uh, last year on our podcast. Um, you you all have led through a pandemic, your pastors led through a pandemic. Um, let's just, let's talk about him for a minute. What has your pastor done that that's led you exceptionally well during this season? Um, I think what, what I was most impressed with was, um, how quick pastor is to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, let me put it this way. When the pandemic hit, we, we sat in a room 
And he shared this story about what do you do when tragedy hits? And to make a very, a longer story, very, very short, him and his friends were at, uh, were driving down the street and there was a guy that was, um, I think he was hanging himself. Now that's pretty crazy, but he, he was in a very traumatic ish, uh, uh, circumstance and his friend immediately pulled over the car, got out of the car, ran towards this guy ended up saving him, bringing him down from the tree. The police come, all these people, there's all this commotion. And pastor said that he just sat there and watched all this stuff unfold, just in shock, as most of us would be. Just, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. He said he walked away from that and learned one thing, that when tragedy hits, I'm not going to sit there and watch it unfold behind me, in front of me, and not be a part of the Hmm. solution. So from that day, and you can see it in his leadership, when tragedy hits, that's our time to jump in, don't ask questions, and you just involve yourself in the tragedy. So when the tornadoes hit in, in Kentucky, guess what? We immediately wrote a $50,000 right. check. Mm. We were part of the solution immediately. We sent a team down immediately. We built the mm. relationships that we needed to build to make sure that we put ourselves in the tragedy. And I would say he did the same thing uh, with mm. everything that happened with COVID. Um, and it was just amazing to be a part of that and to have mm. that sense of like, let's get in there and let's be part of the solution. Well said. During that time, he said, uh, if, if we, we preach all the time that the church is not the four walls. So in this time, if we don't do something, then we've got bigger problems because we're not just these four walls. Um, and he, he activated us. And uh, yeah, I mean, we did a million things during that time. I think too, like we all have a job description just as part of HR, right? But pastor has really equipped us during this COVID outbreak. I mean, no one in the world has ever experienced this, right? And I think he right. he challenged all of us to, um, hmm, like your your job description doesn't matter right now. Like if, if you love Jesus, if you're a part of this church, if you're a part of this team, great, let's go be a part of the solution together. And, um, I mean, I think, I think you've talked about this before on your podcast, Brandon, like it doesn't matter what seat you're in, you're on the bus and the bus is driving. So you're either on or off, you know? Right. So that's challenged right. us too to be right. liquid and method. That's one of our core values. Liquid yep. and method. Mm. COVID has really put us to the test for that, but, um, we're still here. So <laughs> great, great. COVID season has been the great revealer, a uh, great revealer of alignment, misalignment. You know, my, my pastor said it a lot over this season, you know, that before COVID, you know, um, in our church growth season era, it's our churches were assembled, but maybe not aligned, you know? And so if people were out of alignment, this season showed it, this season revealed it. So my question for you, leading to cross multi-site, different departments, a growing church, what has it looked like to um, maintain and build alignment in the house and among among your church? When you say alignment, I think culture, right? Is that kind of what yep. you're speaking yep. of? Like, how yep. do you help maintain culture throughout your teens? And I think about... It doesn't matter what team you're leading or um, it doesn't matter the size of your team. It's important to remember that whether it's a large team or a small team, each leader has a voice in someone's life. It's not just Pastor Marcus speaking into someone's life. And so um, from our level, as we lead people who are leading teams, it's just important to remember, like, are we in those team leaders' lives? Do we know what's going on? 
to me, it's like a perfect example of like what Aaron's saying is, is when, you know, when, and Jake kind of touched on it is when COVID hit, pastor said, if, if all we are is what we do on a Sunday, then shame on us. Yep. You know, what, what are we doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in the community and for people. So we dropped everything we were doing, job descriptions and all, and we called every single person in our database as soon as COVID hit and wanted to know, how can we pray for you? What do you need? How can we come alongside you? This is a scary time. This is an unknown time. And we want to come alongside you and, and pastor you. And so we want to make this about you. You know, one, one of the things that you'll hear often in our world is we're, we're fast with the task and we're slow with people. A lot of times we flip those around. We, we try to hurry up our conversations with people so we can get back to our, our mm. jobs or our tasks and whatever, you know, is so busy. We're so right. focused on right. And the goal is, no, 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 we're, no, no, it's the other way around. We're fast with the tasks so, so that we could be slow with people. Mm. I would just add real quickly to the family dynamic we have as, as a staff is in our church. We have a great serving culture, leadership culture. I'm telling you, our people are a family, a family, like, my wife's going through a tragedy right now with her father being ill. Of course, we asked the staff to pray for her, but who am I asking to pray? Some of our prayer partners in the church that I love dearly and who will pray if I ask them to pray because they're my family. So people who, when I see them, I say, man, I, I love you guys. And I genuinely mean it. So when we talk about alignment, uh, not only is that on our staff and our team, but it's in our church too. Hey, head coach, tell us to play. We're running a play. We're all in. We have an all in church all the time, serving, giving, leading, and that's also what helps make us special. It's not a crowd gathering on a Sunday. It's people do, accomplishing a vision in our city. That's great. And I loved the phrase that Kyle, you just use fast to the task so we can be slow with people. Somebody needs to hear that right now. That That is the whole goal. Fast to the task, slow with people. That was brilliant. One more question for you. We are leading in this season that's being coined the great resignation and everyone's quitting jobs and wants to be self-employed and wants to set their own schedule and the pushback against unhealthy, you know, corporate culture or whatever's driving this season. We see that the headwind of apathy just in, in prevailing culture right now toward work, toward um, service oriented jobs those, those kinds of things, but we have the task of involving people in serving and in ministry. So what for you, what is team building looking like right now in this season of the great resignation and where are you winning with building teams right now? Coleman's, what do y'all think? I know that's a really good question. Great yeah. question. Where are you winning with building teams right now? You know, we've kind of hit the reset button and we've really encouraged all team leaders to just look at your team. It, part of it was those phone calls. He's not kidding. We called every single right. person and it was thousand, how many, well, it doesn't matter. It was, it was a lot of people. And, um, so we kind of just had this running list of who's not ready to come back, who is ready. And so now we're what, two years into this. And so we just kind of hit the reset. So the people that are back in person that are officially comfortable and ready, um, we just had a leadership night to say, okay, we're ready to re-engage. And, um, and it definitely might be, it's a small, it might be a smaller group of people, but we've also looked at and challenged our teams and team leaders to say, okay, who else is maybe you didn't, maybe you'd never consider them as a future leader, but they're still here and they've been faithful and they match the culture. They match the heart of what we want to do. And so, um, we have really been looking at 
revamping with that reset and, and looking at who are the new people that we can help equip to be leaders and just continue to multiply. Jake, you kind of talked about that last night. Like as we build this third location, you want to talk about that, about, um, we got to build up and we got to multiply. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the biggest thing in this season, uh, is yeah, you, your team might look a little bit different. Uh, your team might be a bit smaller than what it was before COVID. Um, but I think it's really important, really important to, to, we call it uh, hustle 101, uh, constantly hustle new people. I, I think I don't see it as a problem. I see it as an opportunity, an opportunity mm. to find all those incredible people that are just brand new walking into your church and recruit them, get them into your teams, get them into your funnel, whatever your system might look like. Um, and yeah, and, and give away, uh, uh, responsibilities to other leaders. I mean, when you build up leaders, you can grow your team bigger. And, uh, if a leader can do something, um, uh, uh I've heard it said multiple ways. I usually use like 60, 70% of, uh, how good you would do it, but they're on an upward trajectory. Give it to them. Let them fail. It's Very fine. They'll good. be okay. They'll figure it out. Um, the biggest thing is that you're including more people. I mean, we're in the ministry We're we're, we're in the people business. So, so, uh, recruiting more people, um, to, to be added into our teams. I mean, you're only blessing them. A lot of times people right. don't want to in- recruit people because they see it as a, a job, but it's not a job. I mean, Jesus came to serve, you know, you want to help someone give them a shovel and let them serve, you know, yeah, because that, that, that's, that's how they're going to, that's how they're, that's how Jesus speaks. Um, and so, and so I think, uh, you're, you're hindering people's growth by not yes. giving stuff away to them. Uh, and I, I truly believe that a lot of people see it the other way and that's wrong. It, it's not the other way. You're not, you're not giving out work and, and you think it's bad. No, no, you're, yeah. you're hindering them from the work of our Lord and, um, and, and you're hurting them. That is the truth right there. Somebody needs to hear that today. And funny thing about that 70% comment, by the way, you know, it used to be 80%. I used to always hear, you know, someone could do it 80% as good as you. And then the pandemic hit now it's 70. And then I've heard 60, you know, so <laughs> I used to teach 80, but I'm like, well, I guess, I guess my standards are too high. Uh, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you're a lead. No. But how many of those pulses have surprised you in the best way? That is true. That is true. But how many have also really been disappointing? I mean, it's kind of like. <laughs> well, okay. Hey, tell me if you agree with this. So I think there's two ways to build something. I think you can build something from the outside in or the inside out. And, and what I mean by that is outside in is like you try to assemble a group or a crowd and then you assimilate people in like people, you know, come to Easter and then they do this and then they do this. And then you know, out of that, you kind of get your leaders. That's fine. Like that works. We've seen it work. I think it's commonly kind of called the attractional model, you know, of church, so to speak. Um, but then there's this other way where you build from the inside out, where you build a red hot core of leadership. And I've loved you've, you guys have hit on several topics to me that today that speak to this, that you just build a team that would die for each other, that would die for the vision. You really high standards. You call them higher. Cause you mentioned the key phrase behind 60%, by the way, is upward trajectory, you know? And, and so like you create a core that honestly, people just would, would trip over themselves to be a part of. 
And I think there's something to that. And I don't think that approach to ministry gets talked about often enough, but like, what does the team look like? That's what I've tried to explore with you guys today. Like, what does the team look like that everyone would kill to be a part of? And I think if we can make that our target, I just love the fruit that that produces in teams. And I love the strength that it brings. And I, I felt that way about my church. I think you felt that way about your church at some point. And I just think those pulses going back to your, your, your comment there, I think there's pulses out there that you don't even realize are sitting there going, I would, I'd kill to be part of this. And we just have to find them and welcome them into their high calling. You have to find them and then you have to be ready to like, you have to have something for them to do. Like how many of us have had people like, I'm here to help. And you're like, cool. I don't know what I want you to do. You're going to lose them so quick, you know, but the the quicker we can help them establish their own foundation. It's kind of like a Lego set. You ever notice like with Lego, the majority of the directions are like building the inside. So the quicker you can help, you can remind someone you are special. You're placed on this earth for the purpose. You're part of the body of Christ. And here's what you can do with it. Like the quicker you have that answer ready to go when they're in their most vulnerable state, then the, the longer you're going to see them around. Um, and it, but then that goes to us too. Like pastor says all the time, the greatest gift you can give any team is your your personal relationship with the Lord. And if we all show up on a Sunday morning and expect for pastor Marcus to create that relationship with the Lord for us, part of his staff, then we have, we're doing everyone a disservice. And wow. so we got to look at our own foundations first, um, before we can expect ourselves to lead any team to build a foundation that's right. going to last. I got one comment I want to add before I forget. And then I really want Kyle and Jake to speak on it. People nowadays want to make, they want to know they're making a difference. That's serving, giving, attendance, whatever. Us on this team, we ask ourselves, are we making a difference? Of course we are. People want to be a part of a winning team. So it's easy to serve when I show up and I know I'm glorifying God, but I'm a part of a hundred salvations that day or whatever. It's easy to give when I know that um, we're building locations and, and doing a million initiatives and we do what we say. What I love about Pastor Marcus, he's, he said, one day when the Lord takes me up to heaven, I want on my tombstone it, to say, did what he said. And that mm. we're a church of we do what we say and we win. It's contagious again. And that goes to serving and giving. So what's kind of the secret sauce of that is, is that's what I would say uh, to all of that. And that makes everything easier. We've never sent out an email about recruiting volunteers because we have the system, of course, but people see when people serve, there's joy, there's peace, right. and they're making a difference. They're part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah, I, I think I think like uh, just like what Evan said, it's, it's like um, Jesus had the 70, he had the 12, he had the three. You know, we like to focus on the 70, these massive teams that we can build, and that's fine. But that's not the way that Jesus went at it. He didn't choose the 70. He chose the three first and then that evolved into 12 and 70 and then teaching the multitude. So to me, I think part of my job is to identify, you know, those small group of people, three at a time, maybe my Peter, James and John, and to look at them and to and to call out in them, you know, their gifting. So when Jesus went to Peter he said, hey, I know you're a fisherman, but I actually see something deeper in you. I see something bigger in you. I see you fishing for men. I see you being, you know, uh, 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 a person I can build my church on, a rock. Uh, And he affirmed that. He called that out in them. And and it started with just Peter, James, John involved in a 12 and 70. So I think it starts small 
and then works its way big. But just like what Evan said, people want to know that they're making a difference, that they can that they can actually add value to mm. church, to other people, and they have gifting. They have things that they can add uh, and contribute. So I think it's our job as the leadership team to call that out in people and say, I know you see yourself this way. I see you like this. Mm-hmm. That's good. God is obviously doing something special, unique at Seven Hills. So thankful for you. Thank you for just attempting to kind of communicate some of that to us today. Uh, We're grateful. Thank you, Brandon. Seriously, man. Uh, Love, love, love Pastor Kevin and what you guys are doing. Um, You guys really are an amazing ministry and just thankful to to do it together, man. Yeah, we're so honored that that you had us on here. we love, yeah, like to, to say what Kyle said, we really do love Pastor Kevin. We love you guys. We love your podcast. So uh, truly a blessing to be here today. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. We'll do it again soon. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you got anything valuable out of today's episode, share it with your team or a friend in ministry because that's what Leading Second is all about. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com, follow us on Instagram at Leading Second, and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.